0: This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss.
1: One. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm here today with my co-host and mother, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Mom.
2: Hi, Heidi. It's great to be on the show, and we've got a great guest today, somebody that we uh, visited with at the last Compassionate Friends National Conference, right?
1: Absolutely. I'm very excited to have her on. She was a journalist for many, many years and has covered a lot of incredible topics, including 9-11. And she is the author of three books, which we will talk about today.
2: Great, and uh, you want? Uh, she's got some ideas that I know everybody's going to love who's had a loss because she's really talking about how we can remember them and memorialize them. She's got ideas about the internet. It's just going to be great, Heidi. So why don't you introduce her formally?
1: Okay, I'd love to, Mom. Our guest today's name is Allison Gilbert. Allison is the author of Past and Present, Parentless Parents, and Always Too Soon. She is also co-editor of Covering Catastrophe, a historical record of how broadcast journalists covered 9-11. Allison's work has been featured in The New York Times, The Atlantic, The Huffington Post, and on NPR, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, CBS, and ABC. And she was also recently featured in Oprah Magazine. Welcome to the show, Allison. Thank you so
2: much. Hi, Allison. It's so great to have you on. And uh, I know we uh, you did that Oprah piece and you interviewed Alan Peterson from the Compassionate Friends and came to that conference. Pretty amazing.
3: Well, I felt really honored to be a part of the Compassionate Friends conference. It was such a Real, um, just a grounding experience, and oddly, to be honest, an uplifting experience coming out of such pain. I think I was really inspired by how many bereaved parents and how many bereaved grandparents uh, took. So much of what they learned, so much of what they have gone through, and really have chosen to drive forward their lives um, with compassion, uh, with joy, and to really learn how to celebrate um, their loved one's memory, which ultimately brings um, just a real sense of power. You know, you become empowered when you remember, and that's my biggest takeaway. It was such a... Um, uh, just a real honor to be there. So I'm so glad that you brought it up. Yeah, it it was great h- having you there. And Heidi, you're on
2: the board, and it was great for the organization. It right? a- it
1: absolutely was. And you know, I love what you're saying, Allison, because when people hear that my mom and I are so involved with Compassionate Friends, and and my mother's been on the board, and I'm now on the board of directors, they think of it as something so depressing. And I I I want to let people know that it is not depressing. We take people where they are at their lowest moments, and we walk into the light with them, and and we show them that there is hope again after loss, and we show them that they can keep their loved one's memory alive forever, and I love that you took that from it.
3: Yeah, you know what? That's really the whole point of my latest book, Past and Present, which Mm -hmm. is really, there's a whole thrust to the book, which is really that remembering is, of course, you know, really truly mandatory for healing. You know, bereavement experts always say that remembering uh, is critical in terms of being like resolved, you know, the technical word of being resolved in your grief, that if you actually take steps to remember, you will move forward. And to me, that's a mandatory such an important tenant and that's why I wrote the book which is really well how how do you do that remembering That's the trick I love what that and,
1: and and how do you?
3: Well you know what uh, in the book uh, there's 85 practical ideas, everyday ideas. What really upset me is that when uh, many authors and journalists and grief experts speak about remembering their loved ones, there's a tendency to really only talk about you know what to do on the holidays. You know, when we're all kind of experiencing things uh, in more of an acute, you know, calendar-oriented fashion. I think there's opportunity, as you know, you know, loss happens, you know, know, anytime. You can't predict it often. And so remembering often follows that same path, that it comes up when you smell something. It comes up when you see something. It comes up really without the calendar being front and center. So I wanted a book that would tackle any time opportunities and day opportunities whenever you feel that recognizable pull
2: yeah i was saying to heidi today you know uh when i was reading your book i i said to heidi you know there are things that kind of sneak up on you every year that are kind of odd like maybe the beginning of school or the beginning of skiing or or something like that and you can uh plan and do something to memorialize
3: those kinds of things instead of just feeling bad right well, 100%. Those are touchstones, right? You know, those are markers where things really pull at you because they're reminders. And so, if we are aware that there might be those reminders, we can kind of build up our fortitude. We can really make a plan. Like, you know, if you were going somewhere on a hike, you wouldn't leave on that hike without maybe a granola bar or a bottle of water. You know, you would kind of anticipate thirst. You would anticipate hunger and you would prepare. And so likewise, when you see or anticipate events on the calendar where you might feel more raw, why not attend to your needs with the same compassion, with the same, you know, fortitude? It just takes planning. And that's really at the core of past and present. If I can tell you one thing today, the most important aspect of the book is the absolute necessity of taking control, of being proactive and not being passive. Passivity is where you really get into trouble. As if you went on that hike and you didn't bring water and you weren't paying attention, paying attention when we talk about even this, even about remembering loved ones, that is the most critical part of our conversation, I believe, today. I love now, this. talking about this it practically,
2: what do I do with the stuff? What do I do with the jewelry, the letters, the clothing,
3: the heirlooms? What do I do? You know, it's really interesting that you talk about that. There's a whole chapter in Past and Present called Repurpose with Purpose, which is just exactly what you're describing. You know, if we have things as is from the relatives who leave things behind and they don't bring us pleasure, that becomes another source of pain. It's the clutter. It's the I should be doing something, but I don't know what to do. And so there's a chapter, like I just said in the book, that really talks about, well, you have a pair of earrings, but they're, you know, dowdy, you don't like them? What can you do to actually elevate them and bring you joy? And so that's really critical, right? Identifying those things that tell a story that help you remember a loved one, but to transform them, or this may sound um, odd for me to say, someone who values memories so much, or Give, you, give yourself permission to give them away also. You don't have to keep everything. And to be honest, it's in the divestment of some belongings that you elevate the power of the few that remain. And there's incredible lessons in that to just know you do not have to keep everything.
2: I love that, to Me give too. you those things that are left just to make you— they bring you joy or power or a memory or they're so much more powerful. You're right than if you have just
3: a, a lot of clutter around. Clutter is damaging for many reasons, right? Clutter drives many of us crazy, many of us daddy, Clutter makes our anxiety for many of us, you know, skyrocket but clutter can also be emotionally depleting because then you can't see, of course, you know, that old saying, the forest through the trees. And so if there are a few items that really evoke a loved one, keep those and decide what to do with them that can bring you pleasure. And so, you know, there are many ideas uh, in past and present that talk just about that. For example, these don't even have to be, you know, we talked about jewelry. I'm not even... Just jewelry i'm talking about if your mom was a painter, fantastic things that you can do to honor their paintbrushes i'm not joking you know i'm That's talking cool. about your childhood kitchen table and not even keeping the whole table, but there's a a leg of that table that is designed and carved in a certain way, and you want to just keep a part of the table. What can you do with that section that can you can elevate it and almost build? And you don't have to be particularly crafty. There are ideas that you can use that piece of the table to bring you incredible comfort.
2: That's great. Well, Heidi, you were talking about technology, right? You like that part of the book?
1: Well, what I love with Allison's saying, and, and then I'll move into the technology piece, is how proactive and empowering all of this is and how we need to put ourselves in the driver's seat. Because after my brother died, I felt very disempowered. I felt like a victim. I felt like something had been done to me. And and I love, you know, as I turned my grief outward in, in service, I became more empowered and started to heal. So I love how we can take charge of a lot of this. And one of the things that I love that you did, Allison, was the picture you have of your mother, who is gorgeous, by the way, your mother and you and your daughter. And your daughter had never met your mother, yet the three of them look like, you guys all look like you're in the same photo together. It doesn't look yes, photoshopped.
3: Yes, yes, yes. How it's did you do that? magic yeah so a, a really terrific way if you want to help this is really great for families who are trying to help children uh, be connected to you know parents or grandparents that their memory may be fading or perhaps they never met a grandparent. This is perfect for that. so as you said, my um mother died before I was married and before I had children of my own and so my daughter, in this particular case, never met my mom and there was this great shot of my mom and me when I got engaged and it's just one of my cherished shots of my mother and me. Mm-hmm. I just adore it. It's a beautiful picture. And yeah, it's just so lovely. Just, it's really just we're happy, and we're both wearing. Very, it's funny, we're both wearing scarves, and it's just a very kind of you know lovely image where we're very oddly uh, we didn't plan it. You know, we're dressed in a very similar way with these scarves. And so one day um, I thought, you know what, let me show my daughter the physical traits that she inherited from the maternal grandmother who she never met. You know, do they share the same shaped eyes? Do they have the same cheekbones, the same nose? These are the questions that come up in school, right? When kids study Mm -hmm. genetics in school and they learn about eye color and facial, I I wanted to show my daughter not just... Tell her, right? Kids learn so much more when it's really about them. And so what I did is I got my daughter to pose in a scarf, right? So it kind (laughs) of looks like we were all together. And we took these pictures. And then I Photoshopped the one image of my daughter in a scarf, and then I photoshopped it together with the image of my mother and me in our scarves, and I wow. put them together, and it really does look— It looks um, real.
1: It looks like your mom and your daughter well, are together. Now,
3: wait a minute. We can see this. So I'd let people know
2: what website that is. Are,
3: are you looking at my website, alisongilbert.com, or where are you looking? Where did you find it? I
2: found it on
1: Facebook. I don't know if it's in other places. Oh, okay. Your photo. Well,
3: um— You know, I definitely post a lot on my Pinterest page. I post a lot on com. So that particular image, you're right. I love it so much that I share it all the time. I think it's a great, um, surprising, low-hanging fruit way um, to show children just how much they have inherited from parents and grandparents that perhaps they are failing to remember or never met at all. Mm -hmm. You know what I love? My sister-in-law
2: wore her grandmother's wedding dress and we have pictures of both of them and i thought wouldn't that be fun to have those together no oh, i love that oh yeah i love that I, that's a great idea and you could put a, a wedding thing around it and give it as a gift or whatever that's another thing if you've got those pictures you could uh
3: kind of memorialize yeah. it and give it to other people i love that it's mm-hmm. wonderful ideas Now, Photoshop may not be, um, you know, accessible. Some people may feel who are, you know, listening to us today that that's, you know, one step too far. That seems a little bit too complicated. (laughs) But I'm a big believer that tech does not have to be complicated. And using technology can be as easy as having your cell phone, truly, or being on Facebook that you mentioned. So I could definitely go in many examples if we want to talk about it. But, you know, if Photoshop sounds like a bridge too far, we can definitely talk about, you know what? We're all on Facebook. You know, we're all maybe using Instagram or Twitter. That's where our kids are. You know, how do we use those platforms to our, can be.
2: It can be kind of frustrating, too, for people. I was working with one family where they had a child die in Mexico, and before they got home, their son had used social media to say that his sister had died. And mom told me she was really mad about it, upset about it when they got home. Not mad, because she was so upset anyway, but she was so upset when she got home, and then And then over time she said, you know what, it was really good because he got so much support, and our whole family did, but she said, it's kind of a shock, social media.
3: Well, you know, I'm talking about um, the way I was referring to social media is not the telling of the news of someone's passing. Really what past and present is all about is using social media or any form of technology because it's already where you are every day to commemorate, mm-hmm. to celebrate, to honor. So it's a little bit of a different example. And what I'm talking about is really about, you know, later, what happens later and how you can use it as a tool that can truly bring you happiness. And I'll, get to, I'll just give you an example since we're talking about it. So, you know, a lot of us, you know, are on Facebook all the time and we post pictures and, you know, many of us have gotten comfortable with posting pictures of loved ones. And that's a wonderful thing to do, you know, on an anniversary of someone's death or maybe their birthday. But the one step further that I think is really, really smart and really, really fun is don't just stop there. Do one more thing, which is to take advantage of the social part of social media, which is to ask your friends for their stories in return Mm -hmm. of your loved one. Don't make it a one-way street where you're pushing things out. Ask for your friends. Ask for your family to share their memories, too. And you might just hear things you've never heard before. It could bring you strength because you know you're around the, quote-unquote, virtual water cooler of memory. And you can really be able to derive comfort from other people, which is the real strength and value, I believe, of
2: social media like Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, the interesting thing is it can be years later. I mean, Heidi, talk about some of the things we've seen uh, connected with Scott as the Internet's progressed.
1: Oh, I've, I've had people on Facebook 30 years later, 30 years after he died, share stories with me that I'd never heard. I mean, it's, I know. it's been Isn't phenomenal. Great? It was fan- it's been fantastic. And giving He's and, and got send a pictures. Yeah, and he got a, yeah, there was a YouTube about him and uh, send photos of me that I'd never seen to me. So, I mean, these kind of gifts are amazing.
2: And that's because you put his birthday and stuff up. Right.
1: It's really fun. I love
3: that. And I think the real trick to take away, um, you know, for everyone listening today is that that kind of strength that you've described – hearing about Scott so many years later, that came to you, it sounds like, because you were, you know, the lucky recipient. When we first started talking Mm -hmm. today, when we first, you know, started the radio program, we talked about the power that comes with being proactive, Mm -hmm. with taking control and of ownership. And I think, you know what, any day that you need support, why not post something on Facebook and ask your friends, tell them that you want to hear some stories. I agree with you, Allison. Now, Valentine's Day is coming up in February. Have you got some thoughts? We
2: could do something Facebook. Have you got any thoughts about that?
3: You know, I do. You know, love comes, as we all know, in many shapes and forms. There's a love that comes between, you know, lovers. That's romantic. And there's a love, of course, that comes between parent and child or siblings. Of course, there's every kind of love. And I would, you know, raise the banner of, you know, not just telling a love story that means something to you, but I would challenge you to tell a love story that meant something to your loved one. What or who did they love? What is their love? that you think that they would still want to celebrate if they were still here. What was that love? Was it a passion for a sport? Was it a passion for a food? Was it a passion for another human being? And so I think you're right. Valentine's Day is a great opportunity to tell all sorts of love stories. And so why not have that be part of your focus um, to celebrate what was the love of your loved one's life, which I think is a beautiful and very heartening idea, and very timely
2: so um what about what about the holidays? Um, would you suggest that people you i know you have things in your book about the holidays we know
3: they 're coming up. What can people do? Well, you know it depends on which holiday um, you're talking about I think in general. If- a very general thing about holidays, food often is at the center of many celebrations. And to me, if you cook a certain food and serve it, that's terrific. But going one step further and actually saying the words, telling the stories, being purposeful about using food as a
0: common
3: share about your loved one, that takes energy it's not food and eat a food and never talk about the food and why it's important and since food is so much of a relevancy to every celebration that we as human beings generally speaking use as part of these you know events whether day you know weekend or weekday if you crack open that moment as a moment to say your loved one's name out loud. Use the food to talk about the kinds of tastes and aromas that your loved one appreciated. You've now used food that would have been a part of your celebration likely anyway as an opportunity for discussion, an opportunity for storytelling. But again, back to the very beginning, you need to make a choice that you're going to use food as a conduit for sharing memories, and if you do that, it's simple, it's easy. You're going to eat food anyway, so why not? Mm-hmm. I love and, it. And I've heard people
2: having uh, potlucks where they have people bring their favorite food that their mom made or dad made, or you know, and and have discussions around that. Mm-hmm.
3: I love that. I love that, and especially if you, you know. Say the name of your loved one out loud. I think that's also very important. So often when you lose someone who's close to you, you have fewer opportunities to speak their name. Okay. And wouldn't it be great if over that dinner table, if over that buffet table, you can have that be the moment where you get to say their name again. I think any moment where you can do that. um you know, likely feels important. It may not feel good all the time, may not feel bad all the time, but it's meaningful because that was your loved one's name, and it keeps them present. Right. Hey Heidi, say something about
2: siblings involved with this.
3: Okay. We we also we need we also need to wrap up.
1: Um, so I would say that with the repurposing with purpose, I think one of the things that I have that is the most important thing in my life is my brother's New York Jets sweater made into a teddy bear. And, Mom, you gave that to me. Oh, I love it. He, she gave that to me one Christmas, and it's really the only thing in my apartment that I care about um, <laughs> because it, it's, it symbolizes him, and he wore it all the time, and he was a big New York Jets fan and a big sports guy, and, you know, it's so him. So I, I love what you're talking about, Allison, and I love the idea of saying those that we love names um, and keeping them alive and... This whole discussion on how to be proactive and empowering. And like you said, it's a choice when we want to share those memories.
3: And it doesn't cost any money. It's free, right? You can say certain things. You're probably going to eat you know, dinner anyway over you know, a holiday. Like these things are cheap if not free. And these are the tools that are easily at our disposal. But it's what you just said. It's like, well, let's make a decision. Let's celebrate yeah, and how let's we keep that memory you, alive. Your
2: website, your book.
3: Yeah, of course. So it's easy, easy peasy. I'm not very imaginative. It's just allisongilbert.com, And um, if you're on social media like Twitter or such or Instagram, it's A for Allison, a Gilbert writer. So that's pretty easy to remember too. And the new book that just came out is called Past, P-A-S-S-E-D, Past and Present, like someone who passed away and how to keep them present in our lives.
1: Well, thank you, Allison. And what were your parents' first
3: names? My mom's name uh, was Lynn, uh, and I named my daughter Lexi um, Mm. for the L. And my father's name uh, was Sydney, and her middle name is Sid.
1: Lynn Uh. and Sydney and Scott. I want to thank Lynn and Sydney and Scott for continuing to be our guiding lights in this world. And thank you so much, Allison, for helping us to figure out how to keep those memories alive.
3: What a pleasure. You guys are such an—I'm so tickled to be speaking to you. It's such a thrill. Thank you so much. So great to have you on the show,
2: and we want to thank everybody for listening. And Heidi and I hope that you will tell other people about this because there's such a message of hope and healing. And please tell everyone about opentohope.com. And we always want to remind you, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own, and God bless.